Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis, transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right, soccer dude, rockin' America. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America featuring Person Noob. We'll be previewing matches from America, our region, and in fact the whole darn world. Now, which matches? Well, the most intriguing and important ones, of course. But as we define them here at Team Noob, and as you'll find out, they're not all going to be the same matches as you might catch on most other shows. Some will, some won't. Joining me as always is she who is featured, my co-host and nine-year-old daughter, Person Noob. Hello! This episode, we're going to cover matches from Friday, October 29th through Thursday, 11-4. Let's dive right in with... March number one! As always, we will keep things chronologically oriented. Our soccer week for this show officially starts on Friday, but as often seems to be the case of late, we don't actually have any Friday matches that made our cut because we're going to do 10. So we're going to start on Saturday with match number one. By the way, super job as always on the countdown duties that you take care of for us, person noob. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. And match number one comes to us from the second division of American soccer, the USL Championship. Uh, For newer fans, it is comprised of two conferences, a total of four divisions. The top four teams from each of the divisions are going to make the playoffs in each of the groups. Each of these divisions has seven or eight teams each, but four get in no matter what. And where you finish matters as far as playoffs, uh, first, second, third, or fourth does make a difference. So you want to finish higher. This is the last Weekend of matches for the regular season, and we have got a number one versus number B, and we'll explain later on what we mean by number B, won't we? We do every episode, but sure. <laughs> That's every true, t- we do. Every single time you, we say, every time we mean number bathroom talk, we say number B. <laughs> yes, but hopefully, but hopefully we've got new listeners every week who don't understand what we're doing. I'm not sure we understand what we're doing. In any case, our match is first place Birmingham Legion taking on just behind them in the second position, we'll say it delicately, Louisville City. They play in the Eastern Conference in the Central Division, and here's how the table looks. Birmingham have 60 points, Louisville have 58. So if they want to take over the number one spot here in the last match of the regular season, they've got to earn the three points, get the win. As far as the recent series between these two, it might even be the whole series, to be honest. Uh, Louisville has had the best of it with a 3-1-2 and record against the home team today. Here's how they've done against each other this season. They've already played three times. They really do tend to stay within their division as well as their conference. Birmingham won at home 2-1. Louisville have gotten host twice, and they won 2-0 on the first of those tries, and the last time they got a uh, earned a 1-1 draw was all. 
And interestingly, this is one of the few championship matches on Saturday that is not going to be on ESPN+. Plus. So good luck trying to find this because I think it's going to be the best match of the weekend from the second division. Now, my thoughts on this are that Louisville City are going to win. Let's look at each of these teams to find out why. Birmingham, uh, the Legion, they are actually nicknamed for a place called Legion Field in the Birmingham area, which has been hosting athletic events famously in that area all the way back since 1927. So that makes sense that they're the Legion. That's cool. Now, they don't actually play there, as it turns out. They play on the University of Alabama Birmingham campus. So in a way, it would make more sense if they were Blazers, just like the college, but I digress. Last year, uh, was the better of their two seasons in existence, and they made the conference quarterfinals this year. Uh, very good offense, but they've got the number one defense in the division going. They allow less than one goal per match on average. That's good for the second-best goal differential. Now, their offense, key player to watch out for. Tied for number four in league scoring and person noob, here's where I'm going to be counting on your expertise. How would you say this first name? Nico Brett. Okay, Nico. I wasn't sure if it should be Neko or Nico, but let's go with that. Nico Brett from Jamaica. He's a forward. Uh, European footy fans might recognize him because he's had a few appearances back in 2015 for English Championship level side Reading. Portland Tempers also had the rights to him for a little while. He only made one appearance for the senior team, though. Mostly he played for their uh, second division team, the reserve squad. Best all-around player that they've got going right now, though, is their right back, a defender, 24 years old, named Jonathan Dean. This is actually just his first pro year. Uh, he's a very good passer, and he's accurate on nearly 20% of his crosses, which uh, I used to not really understand what that metric meant, but let's just say 20% is very rare and very good. As far as the team's overall form, they are 7-2-0, unbeaten in their last time. And their last three, they have been on fire for defense and have had a 12-2 overall goal differential. Now, coming to town and should probably be the underdog, but I think they're going to win, Louisville City. A fairly new club that was founded just seven years ago, at least in their current form. They actually previously existed as the city of Orlando's USL team, a second division side. But then when a different organization was going to get to start an MLS franchise in Orlando, they decided to move to an unclaimed market. And if there is one thing that the management... Uh, the editor of this program, and I agree on, and I'm going to teach Person Noob about this now, it's that nothing good can come from a city like Orlando. So it's good that Louisville City got out, and I think that's the reason uh, that they're probably going to win the division today and that we should always root for them. You know why Orlando is such a bad place? Because, like a few other cities, particularly in the southern U.S., it's been built on a swamp. That is bad urban planning. If you put heavy things like buildings on a swamp, what's going to happen over time? Hmm. They're probably going to get like corrupted by like vines. <laughs> and probably sink. <laughs> yeah. So bad, are we fans of bad urban planning? No. No. So go Louisville City. Good job for you on getting out. Anyway, that was weird. Uh, 2017, they won the Eastern Conference and the overall USL title. 2018, they won the title as well after finishing second place in the East. They are also your Eastern Conference defending champions. Last year, they made just the playoff semifinals, though. 
Defense is pretty good, but the offense is where they shine. They score almost two per game. That is the best in their division, and it is good for the overall number one goal differential, which is another more realistic reason why I think that they are due and should be the team that wins this division. The number three division-leading score, or rather league-leading score, I should say, is there's a boast of an English forward named Cameron Lancaster. Uh, he came up with Tottenham Hotspur, but he just had one appearance with them. Nashville had the rights to him for their two seasons, but uh, they mainly loaned him here into their own USL club. Now, their next sort of hottest player that they've got going right now, you want to help me again with the first name? Person noob? Napo Matsoso. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it should be Napo or Napo, N-A-P-O, but Matsoso looks right. He is from the country of Lesotho, a very small country in Africa, central midfielder, but much more familiar to us because we actually only live about 25 miles from there. He played for the University of Kentucky, and how do we feel about the University of Kentucky? Awesome. Yep, what's your favorite cheer from when you are a little tiny baby? Go Blue Cat. Yes, person who could not remember between... Uh, uh, go Cats and Go Big Blue. So, Go Blue Cats. Yeah, Go Blue Cats is still our cheer in this household to this day. As far as the team's current form, they just beat Memphis to actually snap a two-game skid. And it's important to note that the guy we talked about, uh, Mr. Lancaster Cameron from England, had a brace of goals in that particular match. Match number B. And believe it or not, that was our only Saturday match, even though that day is usually the very busiest of the soccer week. But we've got plenty of action that we're going to mini preview on Sunday. And we're going to stay stateside for our second match, match number B. And yes, thank you for reminding us that number two person noob is bathroom talk. As your father, I have taught you well. Join us in our quiet revolution and replace that phrase in your life, new bites, with number B. And match number B is from the NWSL, the top flight of American soccer for the ladies. And this is the last match of their regular season before the playoffs begin. And the best matchup of the week out of that league, I believe, will be number three, Washington Spirit versus number six, Houston Dash. Taking a look at the table, Portland are in first, kind of push them to the side a little bit. You've got Orlando at 39. Washington at 36, one of our two combatants for this one. New York, New Jersey at 33. And then Houston and the North Carolina Courage at 32. And there's where you're getting right to the end of the playoff cut. There are 10 teams in the league, six make the playoffs. So there's going to be a round of musical chairs here at the end. And somebody who thinks they're going to make it in is not going to make it in. Now, Houston do have the head-to-head tiebreaker on number seven, North Carolina Courage, but they're absolutely tied on points. So that means that if Houston only, say, gets a draw and uh, the Courage get a win, the Courage are going to leapfrog them, even though Houston has the head-to-head advantage. In any case, you can catch the high drama at 2 o'clock on Paramount+. Plus. That's Eastern time, by the way. My thoughts on this are that this match is going to end up in a draw that the courage will either win or, or not win, but rather lose or get a draw in their final match. And that these two teams, Washington and Houston are going to get into the playoffs. Let's take a look at the specifics and see why uh, the spirit Washington 2016 was their best season. They finished in second place in the regular season and were the runner up to the playoffs for the overall title. Uh, this year, the defense has been pretty average to be perfectly honest, as has the overall goal differential. 
Tied for number third on offense, though. That's where they shine a little bit more. Number one league scorer is theirs, Ashley Hatch. She plays forward. Did her college ball at BYU. Actually started her professional career with the Courage in North Carolina and then also did some loan-out work, as a lot of American gals do, because of the differences in when the season starts uh, with Melbourne City down in Australia in the uh, A-League women. Uh, Tied for number three on assists and perhaps their best all-around player, Trinity Rodman. She plays forward, and if that name rings a bell, that's not a coincidence. She is the daughter of Dennis Rodman, uh, the very flamboyant uh, retired Chicago Bull and rebounding menace from the league back in my formative years. Trinity is the youngest player to have ever been drafted in the NWSL, so it's a big deal that she is doing so well. She's just 19 years old. She actually enrolled at Washington State when she was 18, but, but because of COVID, there was no season. She decided to forego the rest of her college career and turn pro. As far as the team's current form, they are 4-1-0 in their last five. They have won three straight matches and conceded only two goals over that time. So on paper, yes, I must confess, they probably should be the favorites. But Houston, I believe that they're going to be able to get a result out of this. Uh, 2015 was their best season and they only finished in fifth. This isn't a team with a lot of successful history. I think they're going to be able to turn things around for a change defense. To be honest, they've really struggled in the seventh best in the league, but they do have a top three offense tied for number three in league scoring is Rachel Daly. She is from England and plays uh, very much box to box. Sometimes she starts a forward and sometimes they have her all the way back on defense at fullback. My guess is that during every single game, she does a lot of duties that would fall to either of those positions. And she's earned four English national women's teams caps just within the last year. Another key player for Houston on the assist leaderboard is their midfielder, Christy Mewis. As far as the team's current form, they had lost two straight after three straight wins and an unbeaten in five matches streak. They didn't score any goals in the losses, but I believe the desperation is going to be the mother of success and they're going to be able to get a result out of this and make the playoffs. Match number three. And so another Sunday match. And this one comes to us from the Turks and Caicos Islands. I always grew up uh, saying Turks and Caicos. Not that I was saying it a lot. But in any case, the Premier League is their top flight. Uh, These islands are known in the area as the Dutch Caribbean, give you some geographical perspective, just northeast of mainland South America. Now, the winner of this amateur league, qualifies for the Caribbean Club Shield, which is one of two tournaments for the Caribbean sub-region within our region of CONCACAF. But that said, no team from Turks and Caicos has ever bothered to actually go to any international tournament. Not really sure why. Maybe it's cost prohibitive. In any case, this league is a small one. There's only six teams. They play a double round robin. There's only three matches left in the season, but it's in our area. We rock America. We rock our region. And then we look at the entire world as well. So this one falls into that middle category. The matchup is number B, SWA Sharks, taking on number one, Beaches. And as things stand, SWA, the Sharks, lead by just one. Now, this is the time of the podcast where we always try to make a little quid. I am not sure how easy it's going to be to find a betting house, uh, whether face-to-face or online, a sports book that will actually be taking wagers on this very minor league within our region. But nevertheless, here's the hoping, because joining us now for another drug-addled vision is our 3,500-year-old prognosticator, Noob Stradamus. How is this one going to turn out? Take it away, oh mighty soothsayer. 
Greetings from the merciless Thracian plains of Greece. Pitiless conditions that match the season, one of spooks and fright. I feel need of escape, and so I enter my trance state and travel through space and time. Whee! Just kidding. Whee! Gah, this is more like it. I'm aboard a cruise ship. The Regent Queen is well named for its luxuries. I'm chatting up a new acquaintance, a fascinating cryptozoologist, Dr. Pena. He's recently embarked from a rather remote Caribbean isle, off which we'd anchored. He seems a too self-pleased fellow. All too soon we discover the reason why. Now neither he nor any of us are enjoying the tropical locale. Rather, crew members and passengers are turning up dead, horribly mutilated. We discover Dr. Pena has smuggled aboard the elusive Chupacabra. He'd managed to catch one, but the crew accidentally set the dog-like, bear-sized goat sucker from the cargo hold. It even eats the Shih Tzu. Soon, it picks off SEAL team members set to end this carnival of horrors. The massacre, the gore, the mutilated body parts in its wake are too much, even for me. End vision. Noob, I forever remain unsure if the universal infinite with which I commune is sentient, at least in a way we mortals might comprehend. But I wake from this episode of death, knowing the score you seek will be three to one after our Halloween date. I have seen, I have spoken. I have peed myself a little. Was that purely a quote-unquote vision? Or did perhaps our mighty diviner spend last night watching the B-horror movie Chupacabra Dark Seas? Because I know that movie, and this sure sounded like the plot from that straight-to-video, accidentally entertaining, for all the wrong reasons, mess of a horror film. Actually, it was kind of amazing that it had two named actors in it, too. Uh, John Reese davies he played the captain, if memory serves, and uh, Juan Carlos Esposito, that played Gus Fring on Breaking Bad, uh, had the co-lead as Dr. Pena. In any case, happy Halloween! Dad, can I watch the movie? <coughs> no. Hey, I'm not scared of anything. I'm nine years old. Really? Boo! Nice try, Dad. Happy Halloween. Whee! Match number four. We're going to stay in the Caribbean once again, this time heading to the Dominican Republic. Their top flight is called the Liga Mayor, and according to a site that I like to use a lot, Kick Algorithms, this is the seventh best league in all of CONCACAF, one of the very best in the Caribbean. A lot of folks will put Jamaica a little bit higher. That's understandable. It's pretty close. They're both professional leagues. They play a little bit of a quirky or at the very least a unique 
system down there, their regular season, they start with 10 teams in the first stage. And then the best six after a double round robin go on to the second stage, or I believe they call it a Kaya, K-A-Y-A. In any case, they play another down double round robin with just those six best four advance into a knockout bracketed playoff. And we are in the final of the playoffs. Your finalists are Sibau playing host to Vega Real. And this is the second leg of a home and away two legged tie. The first leg that Vega Real got to host finished in a one, one draw. My thoughts on this, and understandably, as I think you'll uh, discover here with me, uh, I am no noob Stradamus, and this particular match is going to be too close to call for reasons that I will disclose. Let's take a look at the home team, Seabow first. They are known as the Orange Beast. They were founded in 2015, uh, just a year ahead of and for the purposes of joining the current iteration of the Liga Mayor, which uh, started up in 2016. They play in a city that's uh, colloquially just called uh, Santiago, but the full name is Santiago de uh, Santiago de los Caballeros, which roughly translates to Saint James of the Knights. Kind of cool. This is the second biggest city in all of the country, and actually the fourth largest in all of the Caribbean, and is the very biggest in the Cibao region, which is what they're named for. It's in the north central kind of northwest part of the country. Uh, it's known as the Heartland City. It's very famous for uh, textile production. And then rum and cigars who get into our vices. Uh, but they also do a lot of manufacturing, create a lot of finished goods there. This basically all equates to it's a diversified economy for this country. It's got a big middle class population with a very, very high and stable income. This is a place you want to visit and even live if you're interested in the DR. As far as the footy, they have one one league title that was in 2018 in 2017 though they actually won what is now called the caribbean club championship i mentioned last match that there are two uh tournaments in that sub region that happen uh for international purposes most of the countries play in the amateur one the ccs the shield the professional clubs in the caribbean play in this the caribbean club championship they qualified for the final by uh, getting past Atletico Pantoja 4-2 in the two-legged uh, tie in the semifinals. Prior to that, they had won the regular season or first stage and then finished in second place in the championship round. Looking at the stats from there, they had an above-average offense, but the number one defense going. That's where their bread gets buttered, and it's enough that they've got the number one overall goal differential in the league. But that said, their recent form has not been that great. They're just 1-1 and three in their last five. Now that said, the losing streak appears to be a little bit behind them. They're one and one in their last two, but I couldn't not look at that three game skid and notice that they didn't score at all. All right, moving on to the road challengers. Uh, Vega Real, they play out of the city of La Vega, which is the fourth biggest city in the DR. It's not too far south of Santiago, actually. Uh, this is most famous. Historians will know it was a big gold boom town in like the late 1500s, early 1600s. And in fact, at the time, it was uh, perhaps the most important European city in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, currently, it's a bit more known for its agricultural uh uh, cacao, uh, coffee, rice, and uh, cattle as well. The club was founded seven years ago. The last fully complete season that they played in the DR was 2019, and this team finished in second place. They had a much slower start to their season this year, 2021. They finished number six in the regular season, which as I'm sure you've deduced from what I said before, meant they got the last championship round berth. They barely managed to move on, but then they won the championship round, very well balanced at that point, top four offense and defense both. 
here in the knockout uh, playoff round before they beat Harabakoa to advance to the semifinals. Their form in their last nine matches, they are 6-3-0. Like I said, rough start, but they have really turned it around. And they have not allowed more than one goal in any of their last six matches. It really surprises me that Vega Real only managed to earn a draw at home. So that's why I wouldn't want to put any money on the second leg of this final. Match number five. Another Sunday match, and while we are exiting the Caribbean, we are staying within the CONCACAF region. Say hello to the Primera División of Nicaragua. That is their top flight. They are in their apertura stage. A quick reminder, in uh, most Spanish-speaking countries, though not all, they divide their soccer year into two separate stages that don't have much connection. First one is called the apertura. That's where we are now, opening stage, and then... First part of next calendar year, they will play the Clausura, or closing stage. In any case, this is only the number 12-ranked league in all of CONCACAF. It's considered the second-to-worst one, actually, in Central America, just ahead of Belize, behind everybody else. Uh, Puts them overall between Haiti and, for the moment, Canada with CONCACAF, but uh, Canada's Premier League is fast-rising. I think it's going to shoot up the kick algorithm standings before too long. In any case, so all the Central American countries, their leagues get to send three representatives to the CONCACAF League, which is a feeder tournament for the CONCACAF Champions League. That is not true for Nicaragua. They're far enough down. They only get to send two entrants. So the winner of their Clausura and the winner of their Apertura are the only ones that are going to go. Belize, by the way, only gets one, neither here nor there. There's only two matches left here in the Apertura stage. And your top two teams, not a surprise if you follow footy in this region at all. Number one, Real Esteli taking on number B, Dirian Hen. They are tied on points at the table right now. Esteli happened to lead by five on goal differential, but it was Dirian Hen that won the first match between the two this season when they hosted. They managed a 3-2 shootout victory. My not my thoughts on this are that Real Esteli are going to win handily. Now, that's easy to say because they're number one at home, but there's more reasons, and we'll get into them. And let's talk about Esteli first. They are known as the Train of the North, and the full name of their town in typical Spanish faction is actually much longer than just Esteli. It is Villa de San Antonio de Pavia de Esteli. And I love it. It is only the eighth biggest city or town in the country. It's only got uh, just a bit over 100,000 people there. It's less than 100 miles north of Managua, which is the capital. The cigar making from this area is one of the things they're most famous for. And the reason for that historically is really interesting. Uh, During the uh, revolution in Cuba, what, 60, 70 years ago, this particular town, I don't know why, but was a very popular refuge for many of the greatest Cuban cigar makers. And so that tradition, even though obviously they've uh, left or passed on, has remained in this area, which I just love stuff like that. I love using soccer as an excuse to learn things I didn't know about the world in general. In any case, back to the footy. This team, very good historically. They have made six CONCACAF Champions League appearances. And in fact, this year they made the round of 16. That's actually the best they've ever done. Domestically, they've won 18 league titles in the past. That's second best in the country's history. They are the defending league champions and have won three straight stage titles. And they won a still-standing CONCACAF record eight straight league titles from 2016 to 2014. Now, I realize, by the way, that that may not jive with the way I told you about there being two stages and two titles to win per season, but Nicaragua actually made the change to a two-stage season somewhat 
recently, historically, they used to just have one season for the entire year. In any case, how are they doing this year? Statistically, the offense is amazing. They score well over two goals a game on average. Second best defense in the league. Number one overall goal differential. Possible men of the match. Scoring leaderboard occupant Danilo Fihau. It's uh, Portuguese in looks. So that's how I'm going to pronounce it. In any case, he's a 26-year-old attacker. He has spent his t- entire career with non-Division One Brazilian clubs. That's where he's from until this year. This is his first year anywhere else outside of Brazil. He's actually tied with two of his other teammates for the same number of goals, but he scored the first goal in any match four different times, so I kind of use that as a tiebreaker. And I think that could be key for this match. In any case, the team's current form, they had won three straight, but then their last match, they suddenly went on the road. I mean, you know, talk about a trap match. They had to go to the last place team, Municipal Jalapa, and they lost one to two. But now let's talk about uh, Dirion Hen. They're out of the town of Diriamba. It's about 25 miles south of Managua, which puts it in the southeast part of the nation, about 65,000 people. Uh, this is probably the coffee production capital of the country, and it is the folklore capital of Nicaragua. All their festivals that happen to uh, be centered around any sort of indigenous religion or folklore tends to be centered on this city. So it's a very festive place to visit. This is the best team historically in the country. 26 league titles they've won, but the 2018 Clausura was actually their first title stretching all the way back to 2006. So it's Real Esteli that are definitely the current power. This team has not made any international CONCACAF Champions League appearances. This year, very well balanced, uh, top three offense and defense. Good for second best overall goal differential, actually. Top five league scorer is theirs to boast of, Robinson Luis, Brazilian attacker, 36 years old. Uh, other than his first two years with non-Division one Brazilian cr- clubs, he's actually been with various Nicaraguan clubs his entire career. I find Brazilian soccer output just fascinating because I cover leagues from all over the world, as longtime listeners will know. And it seems like, particularly in Asia, but in a lot of parts in the world, they send out these players They pick one particular team or one particular country, and they just end up staying there for the most part. You'll get some journeymen here or there, but it just seems like they're trying to take over the entire soccer world, one player per team at a time. In any case, this team's current form, 2-0-1 in their last three. They've actually uh, fallen apart kind of the second half of the stage. They were running away with this league. And the problem of late has been the defense, because when they lose – they lose big. For example, their last match, they lost nil to three to number three, Managua. And that is why Real Esteli are my pick to win this particular match at home. Because if they can score first, and I think they will, they will, Dirion Hen is just going to absolutely fall apart. Hark, the clarion call of Kitties. For some reason with our show, that means it's time for us to take a break from previewing the upcoming week's best matches and take a look back at the matches we talked about last week. It's recap time. Match number one was not a single match, but rather a series of FA Cup finals that we briefly talked about each of them. On Friday, we had the Emir of Qatar FA Cup, and it was all Saad, the favorites, getting a draw in regular time 1-1 and then finishing off their opponents all around 5-4 on penalty kicks for the trophy. Saturday, the Lithuanian FA Cup was Algiris taking on Panavicis and it was Algiris coming out on top 5-1. Sunday, the Latvian FA Cup was RFS taking on Leah Paya 
It was RFS winning 1-0. And Thursday, rounding things out for all the favorites, the Nicaraguan FA Cup. Walter Freddy took on massive underdog Real Madrid, and Walter Freddy came out on top convincingly 3-1. Sunday, or no, excuse me, Saturday, match number B from Major League Soccer. Number one in the West Seattle Sounders took on number two, Sporting Kansas City. And it was Kansas City coming out on top with the surprise road win, one to two. Red Hot Johnny Russell had the game-winning goal. Uh, there was no change in table positions, at least not yet. Match number three from Africa's Champions League, the second qualifying round, the round right before the event proper, the second match of two-legged ties. Aleli from Egypt took on USGN from Niger, and it was a rout. Aleli, the best team on the continent, won 6-1. to one. Mohamed Sharif, potential man of the match we talked about, had a goal. Match number four out of the Chilean Primera Division, number one, Colo Colo, took on number B, Universidad de Catolica, and it was Colo Colo coming out on top 2-1. Neither team moved around in the table. Match number five from Japan's J1 League, fighting it out for the last, third and last, if you will, Champions League spot in Asia. Number four, Nagoya Grampus took on number one, number three, rather, Vissel Kobe, and it was a 2-2 draw, so there was no change in table position. We skip ahead to Wednesday, match number six from the Canadian FA Cup. Their Canadian Championship was only in the semifinals. We gave it a full mini preview. It was Forge FC from the Premier League of Canada taking on Club de Foot Montreal from Major League Soccer, and the underdogs of Forge nearly pulled it off. They held Montreal to a nil-nil draw at regular time, but then fell in a 7-8 penalty kick fashion. Just ouch. Match number seven from Honduras, the Ligas Nacional, were in the air in the Apertura. Number one, CB Vida took on number two. Uh, number B, excuse me, whoops. CD Matagua, and the result was a 1-1 draw. No change in table positions. Match number eight, we revisited Major League Soccer. Number one in the East, New England Revolutions, taking on number three in the West, uh, Colorado Rapids. And it was the Revs coming out on top 1-0. No change in table position for either. Match number nine from the Swedish top flight, the Elsvenskan Liga. It was number B, Malmö, taking on number three, AIK. And it was Malmö. Coming out on top 1-0. That's split that up, up into the top slot for the moment. And a man we said to look for in the box score did in fact have an assist. That was Anders Christensen. Thursday, match number 10. We visited the CONCACAF Champions League. It was the final, the most important match in our region. Monterey versus America, both from Liga MX. And it was Monterey, the host team, coming out on top 1-0. Congratulations to them on our biggest regional trophy of all. And now the bonus matches with explanations coming later. Route of the week was a Sunday match from Guatemala's Liga Nacional. Number 12, Nueva Concepcion taking on number one, Antigua Guatemala. And surprise, surprise. Must have been a trap match for Antigua because they lost 1-0. And in fact, they lost in the 73rd minute on an own goal. And that moves Nueva Concepcion out of the cellar. They are up to third to last place, number 11. The most meaningless match in the world was a Tuesday match from Pakistan's Premier League, where number five Muslim took on number eight PCAA. And it was the tin pushers of PCAA, the aviation guys, coming out on top one to two. And then finally, our match of disappointment a Saturday match from Wales Premier League. Second to last place, number 11, Haverford West, taking on number 12, Kefin Druids. And it was Haverford coming out on top. No surprise, because Kefin Druids 
are miles worse than anybody else in the league. Haverford wins 2-1. Jack Wilson, the man that we said to look for this match, was the man of the match as he had the brace of goals, and that moved Haverford all the way up to 9. And that concludes your recap from last week's episode. Now let's get back into the current week's previewing with... Match number 6. And for the first time this podcast, we're going to get out of our comfort zone, so to speak, and league CONCACAF and explore the world a little bit. We're headed over to Europe to one of their summer leagues, Finland, the Vikausliga. The top flight there it is ranked number 38 in all of Europe. That is up six from a year ago, actually. As such, they get one Champions League berth. That team starts all the way back in the first qualifying round. They get two Europa Conference League, Conference league berths. That's the new tertiary international club tournament. The Europa League sits in between. The two teams that will enter that get to start in the second qualifying round, and then they'll get one more in the ECL as well, and I don't know what round that one starts in. But in any case, the league has divided into championship and yet relegation rounds already, and this is the last match of the season, and it is for the league title. Number B, K-U-P-S, stylized capital K, lowercase U, capitals P-S, taking on number one, H-J-K. H-J-K lead in the table by one, so all they've got to do is manage a draw. And so far, this season they have played twice, and that is what has happened. H-J-K earned a 1-1 draw at home, and the first time they played this season, K-U-P-S earned a nil-nil draw at their place. My thoughts on this are that HJK is not just going to get a draw. They are actually going to get the road win and take the lead in style. Let's take a look at some of the information and see why I think that might be the case. First, we start with the home team as always, KUPS. The town is spelled K-U or yeah, K-U-O-P-I-O-N. It's pronounced Quapia. I've been practicing a little bit, getting slowly better on those pronunciations. It's just the eighth biggest city in Finland, about 120,000 people, east central part of the country. Uh, it's a big study center for the nation, lots of secondary institutions and big gastronomical culture area, lots of good eats. Uh, they made the playoff round of the Europa Conference League before losing to Union Berlin this year. Last year, uh, they made the first qualifying round at the Champions League, and then got as far as the playoff round in the Europa League. They have won six league titles. Most recent one was 2019. Before that, the most recent one was 1976. So that's why I give those particulars and how they did internationally, because basically that's all you've had for about the last 40-some-odd years. Last year, they finished in third place. This year, looking like they really could take it all, in fact. Uh, best offense, second best defense, one of the two teams that allows fewer than one goal per match. And they do have the number one overall goal differential. Number three league score, we've mentioned him before, Erho Nisila is a midfielder. Best team he was probably ever on roster with was Zolte. I'm going to pronounce it Weregem. I've never covered them, W-A-R-E-G-E-M, so I'm not sure the pronunciation. It's not one of the better teams over in Belgium, but Belgium is a far better and a non-summer league. But to be honest, he did spend most of his time loaned out from there to Belgium's second division teams and then to KUPS, where he then signed an independent contract. As far as the team's form... They have not lost a league match since May 29th. Incredible form. 
That said, they've only earned draws in their last two. It feels like they almost don't want to win the league title looking at that. Uh, one other bit of good news for them, though, is whether it's wins or draws, they've been able to perform well and get those results in both high and low scoring matches. Now, it seems there's a lot of stuff coming up KUPS, but HJK, the H's for Helsinki, they play out of the capital and they are the historic power in this league. They're ranked just outside the top 150 in Europe, which is really good for a summer league team. Uh, they are the only club for this country to make a Champions League group stage. That was in 1998. This year, uh, they've had quite an international season. Now that there are three international club tournaments, it is possible to get to play in all three. They made the second qualifying round of the Champions League before they lost. That dropped them down to the Europa League, where they made it all the way to the playoff round, which is the round right before the group stage. And having lost there, they dropped into a waiting slot in the Conference League's group stage. So they are now in that tertiary tournament, still alive and fighting. Domestically, they are the defending league champions. They have won seven titles within the last decade and 30 overall in their history. And that is the most in the country. The defense is top three. Uh, rather the offense, but the defense is where they really get it done. They lead the league in that category. But offense, a little bit more fun to follow sometimes. On the scoring leaderboard is the singularly named Jair from Brazil. He's a midfielder. He's another one of those guys. I've talked about Brazilians before. He came to Finland right to start his professional career, and he has never left, only been with clubs up here. Uh, tied with him is, in goal scoring is Philip. Valenčić, Slovenian attacking midfielder. Uh, British fans have an outside chance of remembering him, but I more mentioned this to just give some perspective on how good or strong the league and the teams are. He played in 2015-16, admittedly when he was a, a little bit younger and maybe in his very best form for Notts County, which is in the fifth tier of English football, professional, but not by leaps and bounds necessarily. As far as the team's current form, they have won three straight league matches, and they have been hot, winning both high and low-scoring matches as well. I go with HJK because until somebody takes them out and supplants them as the power in the league, you would be foolish not to select them. Match number seven. Our final Sunday match takes us to Mozambique, so even farther afield. Their top flight is called the Moshambola. In the African Federation, it is ranked number 17 amongst all leagues. That's down three from a year ago. The reason the ranking is important there is that the top 12 ranked teams get to send two league representatives to their Champions League instead of just one. So uh, the Moshambola still only sends one, unfortunately. Now, there are two matches left in the season, and our matchup is number one, Black Bulls Maputo, and they're playing host to number B, Ferroviario Baira. Uh, Maputo, they lead by four, so if they can get any kind of result, they win the league title. Uh, Ferroviario uh, Baira, I'll just call them Baira, I think, from now on. That's a mouthful. They did earn a draw the first time they played this season, nil-nil. They can't afford to have that happen again, though. They have got to get a win here to have any shot at the league title. My thoughts are that uh, Black Bulls are going to be able to hold on and get at least a draw and earn the title. Let's talk about them first. This is a team that it's not a brand new team in existence by any means, but they were only promoted just two years ago and that the 2020 season was canceled just four rounds in because of the COVID epidemic. 
So it's unusual that they've been so dominant. They've actually come back to the pack a little bit this year. Uh, largely been doing it on offense. They're number one in that category by lots and lots, uh, scoring well over one and a half goals per game. It's not the highest scoring league overall, to be honest. They're tied for having the second best defense and one of at least three teams that allows fewer than one goal per match. Their current form, one, one, and one in their last three. They have not been scoring well at all, to be perfectly honest, but the defense has been phenomenal. Now, talking about Byra, uh, that is an Indian Ocean port city, so the eastern part of the country. I'm amazed that they even have any football going at all right now. I haven't read anything about the team having been relocated, but it wouldn't stun me if it had been. 90% of this city was destroyed by Hurricane uh, E-Day just several years ago. Uh, The population is, or at the very least was, uh, half a million. Uh, The club is a very old one, founded in 1924. Uh, Based on their crest, it's not official, but I would imagine their unofficial nickname is very much uh, the locomotive or the train of the East or something like that, because there's a giant front view of a locomotive train right there. Uh, They have only ever won the league title one time. That was in 2016. They have finished high enough that they've made the secondary international club tournament in Africa a couple of times, made uh, Confederation Cup appearances. I don't gather that they've made any noise in either event any of those three years. In the last full season that the league played, 2019, this team finished number four. This year, very well balanced, number three offense, second best defense, and second best goal differential. And even though I am picking Maputo to win the league by at least getting a draw, it is worth noting Byra is unbeaten in their last five and they have been playing excellent defense as well. Match number eight. After an exhausting and exhilarating weekend like that, particularly, of course, on the Sunday, New Bites, if I may refer to you as such, you deserve a break. We're taking Monday off from our official tracking of matches We're picking things up on Tuesday for match number eight, and we're going to talk Champions League, the big one in Europe. The UEFA Champions League is in the group stage. Just a quick reminder for our newer fans, all the teams that are left alive are in groups of four right now. Top two from each double round robin are going to advance, and uh, the number three finishers in each group will drop down to waiting slots in the Europa League. Last place finishers will simply be done. Kaput. Uh, they've already played three group stage matches, so we're starting the second half of the home and away two-legged ties between each pair of teams. And the best-looking one to me appears to be Atlanta, Atlanta rather, playing host to Manchester United. Let's see. Manchester United lead the table currently by two. They have six points. They have a 2-0-1 record so far. Atlanta and one other team have uh, four points each. They have one one and one records. Manchester United won at home in the first group stage matchup, and you can catch this one at 4 o'clock Eastern time at Paramount Plus, if you should so choose. And now, match number eight is typically where I get to say, that's all we're going to say about the match, because I like to learn about the world through the lens of soccer, or perhaps just using soccer as an excuse. One of my favorite things to talk about is food. Match number eight means recipe time, or at the very least, food time. We're going to talk pasta. Atalanta is in the north-central Alpine region of Italy. That's where the club is. That's not the name of the town. The town is Bergamo, which is in the region of Lombardy. And we're going to talk about something called 
Casconcello Bergamasca. Now you can tell, obviously, the name means of uh, anything that is from there. Cuisine-wise, is called a la Bergamasca. And Casconcello is, in fact, a two-sheet pasta. It's made in a very similar fashion to ravioli in that you start with those two sheets. Then you can either press the edges together like you would for ravioli, or you can form a disc and then fold it in two like a candy wrapper. I don't know if that's more common, but it is definitely the more unique shape. So my guess is that it is more common. Now, when you uh, get your pasta a la Bergamasca, it's not just the shape. It's also the stuffing. And typically this pasta in this part of the region is going to be stuffed with a mixture of uh, breadcrumbs, egg, Parmesan. And then uh, they have they do a lot more meat in this area than they might necessarily in other parts of Italy. You get more of that mountainous uh, uh, cuisine sort of as a feature get a lot of uh, uh, gamey meats if you will but in any case they fill it with salami or sausage in this case most typically sometimes ground beef now variants of this uh, if you're not as meat oriented um, you can come and we find spinach, raisins, uh, amaretto biscuits which must be ground up in some fashion I'm not sure uh, just garlic or pear the fruit, which really surprised me, especially if you're mixing it with any of those other spices, that particular one doesn't sound good, but I will not knock it until I hopefully get to someday try it. Now, just for fun, we'll also compare this to just a little bit further south uh, in the same region in Brescia. Uh, this is where you might uh, tend to find something uh, a little bit more, I don't want to say classically Italian, but certainly more uh, vegetarian oriented there. They do breadcrumbs, Parmesan, garlic, parsley, nutmeg, and broth. You will typically not find any sort of meat product involved in it as much uh, wetter pasta, for lack of a better way to say it. Not only because of the broth uh, that they include in the stuffing, but also you typically serve this with something called burro e salvia, which is basically uh, melted butter with sage leaves. So you don't get a specific recipe for this week like you've gotten the last couple, but now we know a little bit more than we did before. Hooray for carb knowledge. Match number nine. Another Tuesday match, and we head back home stateside for Major League Soccer. I apologize that we did not get to two MLS matches this week, as I sort of uh, implied, if not quite uh, promised, when we changed our name from 10 to track a few weeks ago on our one-year anniversary to Soccer New Rock in America. I've given you a lot more CONCACAF stuff this particular episode, but we're only going to get one MLS match, and it is... Number nine, LAFC versus number eight, Vancouver out in the Western Conference. A quick reminder for our newer listeners, the top seven teams from each of the two conferences are going to make the playoffs and the winners will advance automatically to the semifinals. Not that these two are going to be uh, climbing all the way to the top of the conference because there's only like three or four matches left. But out here in the West, they are trying to sneak to the back end of the playoffs. At the time I scouted this, that's the caveat. Those were where they were ranked in the table, and this is how the table looked. Salt Lake City had 45, Vancouver had 45, and LAFC had 44 points. So you can see there's an, another game of musical chairs going on maybe for that very last spot, and only one of these three is probably going to get it. This series recently between these two has been very tight. Uh, they have three, two, and three records against one another. This year, Vancouver won at home the first time they played two to one, and then LAFC earned a draw in their second meeting at their place two to two. And now LAFC get to host the tiebreaker, so to speak. You can catch it at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. 
Talk about LAFC, the Falcons first. Not quite an official nickname, but pretty darn close. Uh, they try to get a celebrity or some well-known falconer out there, uh, getting the bird to land on its on his or her wrist each particular home match. The very first ever one, I had forgotten that he was a, a minority owner, Will Ferrell. Now, something else I didn't know is that, uh, well, of course, I did know that there are two Los Angeles teams, the Galaxy, the long-tenured one, and then LAFC is the newer one. LAFC is, it's not what I would have guessed. I would have thought that the old team was sort of the downtown or city team and that the newer one was the suburban team, but actually LAFC place pretty close to downtown, whereas the Galaxy, I believe, are all the way out in, in or near Carson, California. LAFC, how new? Well, they were founded in just 2014 and didn't play their first match until 2018. That said, they won the Supporter Shield in 2019, got off to a fast start, made the playoff semifinals. In 2020, they moved on to the CONCACAF Champions League and actually finished runners-up. Last year, took a bit of a dive. Uh number seven in the conference, and they bowed out of the playoffs after just the first round. This year, the defense has been okay. The offense has been much better. Top three there. And to that end, top 10 score Christian Arango is there. He's a Colombian forward. Uh, best club he played for, now a top five league in uh, Portugal's Primeira Liga. He played from 2017 to 19, or rather, I shouldn't say played for, Benfica, one of the big three over there, had the rights to him, but he, they nearly always loaned him out. Uh, here in this league, he has had four goals in his last three matches. He's absolutely red hot. But that said, their all-around best player is probably their central midfielder, Ed uh, Eduard Atuesta. He's another Colombian central midfielder. If you can shut him down, that's how you beat LAFC, in my opinion. Although they don't have to worry about that. I just scrolled one more line down and realized I couldn't quite see my note. He's actually going to be injured till late next month. So we won't see him again this season unless he makes the playoffs. So who knows? Maybe Vancouver's job is already half done. Well, so far they've done all right without him. It seems like they're four in their last five, a 3-2-0 record. Meanwhile, Vancouver coming to town where their official mascot is the belted kingfisher, a gorgeous bird I googled up with black and uh, blue and black wings, and that very much uh, matches the colors for uh, Vancouver's team. So that's pretty cool. It's the same bird that's on a Canadian $5 note if you've never seen it. In any case, as far as the footy internationally, 2016 and 17, uh, they made the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals. That's the, the better of the two finishes that they've had in different appearances. 2015, they finished in second place in the West. That's the best they've ever done in league. And they made the playoff quarterfinals. That's tied for the best they've ever done. Last year, however, they finished down in ninth place and didn't even qualify for the playoffs. Uh, this year, offense has been the problem. It is below average. They're barely in the top 10 for the conference. But the defense is a little bit above average, number five. And overall, things are a little bit tight offensively uh, as far as the stats go. So overall, they've got a number six goal differential. This is a team that is playing well enough to make the playoffs. Uh, in the top 10, uh, Goalkeeping for all of the league, their key player is uh, Maxime Crepa. He's a Canadian. Uh, from 2013 to 18, he played for Montreal, or at least they had the right to him. He was typically loaned out to other Canadian teams outside of MLS. Their all-around best player is probably 
uh, Christian Dahomey. He is a Colombian right winger. We've got a bunch of Colombians in this game. Pretty interesting. He's got nine goals and four assists on the year. That puts him in second place for uh, team scoring. Might put him in the lead for overall points earned for his team as well. But the hottest player they've got going is a guy that they picked up during the year on a trade. Uh, Brian White, that plays center forward for them. Uh, he spent three years with uh, New York Red Bulls, uh, kind of split his time more or less 50-50 between the senior squad and their USL reserve side. He is the team's number one scorer overall, but he's been bagging a lot more assists than anything else lately. And as far as the team's current form, they are 2-1-0. and If I'm pressed to make a prediction on this game, it's hard to not go with the home team, but this one might be a little bit too close for me to call. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Yes, indeed, Person Noob, or at least the end of our official tracking of 10 key matches from around the world. We still do have our three super fun bonus matches to go. Stick around for those of you at New Bites. Match number 10, we stay close to home for the CONCACAF League. Again, not the CONCACAF Champions League, but the top six teams from this event will all qualify automatically for the CONCACAF Champions League. So this is nearly as important, and they have reached that critical juncture. This is a quarterfinal match. And so the winners of these home and away two-legged ties will automatically qualify. The losers will still get to have a playoff to see who's going to get the last two spots, number five and number six berths. In any case... This particular matchup is Comunicaciones out of Guatemala, and they are taking on Saprissa from Costa Rica. And the first leg was a dynamite comeback for Saprissa. They were a couple goals down at least, had to come all the way back for a 4-3 win at home in leg number one. Can they pull off the same thing if need be against the underdogs? We shall see. The winner is going to get Guastatoya, another Guatemalan side, in the semifinals. We already know who won, uh, that they were going to be advancing because both of the teams, either that they would have gotten to play one or the other of, both got kicked out of the event after their last match in the round of 16. I don't even remember who the unofficial winner was going to be. Maybe we'll talk about the shenanigans another time, but CONCACAF stepped in and said, you guys are done and you're banned for a couple of years. So we'll definitely talk about it, but not right now. We want to focus on this match. And on the field, uh, internationally, they've had a little bit of success, but you've got to go way back to find it for Comunicaciones. In 1978, they were considered one of a trio of co-champions for some reason in the CONCACAF Champions League, or I don't think it was even called that back then as it is now. In the 2019-20 Clausura, they won their group. That year was divided into groups because of COVID. They did a bit of an abbreviated season, and they finished with the second-best record overall. They advanced in this event by beating Alianza out of El Salvador, a very good club, 3-1 to one in the round of 16 in their uh, two-legged tie. How are they doing domestically? Well, for this season, they're in the Apertura and they're in second place overall as their Apertura runs down. To be honest, the defense has only been average, but they've had the second best defense and the second best overall goal differential. Number seven league scorer is theirs, Leonard Garcia. He's only 21 years old, plays attacker. Team's current form, other than that come from behind loss that they suffered to uh, suffered at the, the hands or perhaps I should say feet of Saprissa a couple of weeks ago, they were unbeaten in their last nine outside of that. Now, Saprissa, this is my favorite CONCACAF team. I don't have a favorite American team yet. This is the one that's my favorite from the whole region. It's not part of the reason, but I really do like their mascot name. I didn't even know the nickname at the time I sort of picked them. They're known as the Monstruos Morados, the Purple Monster or Monsters. 
And uh, historically, they have been amazing. They were declared by an international body called the IFFHS as CONCACAF's team of the 20th century. A large part of that reason, they won three CONCACAF Champions League titles, two of them in the 1900s. The most recent one was in 2005. The last four years in a row, they have made it to exactly the round of 16 in that event and no farther. This year, in their domestic league's apertura season, uh, they are number four. And by the way, that league, uh, Canada, I'll be honest, probably in a few years is going to pass them. I know that, and that's fine. No problem with our neighbors from the north. But right now, that is considered the third best league in all of CONCACAF by most. And they've got the second best offense and defense and number one on uh, number one overall goal differential. So you can see why I call Comunicaciones the, under, uh, the underdog. Key man to look for in this match, number eight league scorer, Jimmy Marine. He is their midfielder, a homegrown. Uh, interestingly, he's played in Costa Rica for his entire career, except for two seasons right in the middle. He ended up over in Israel and played for two different teams in uh, their Premier League. So kind of interesting. They advanced to... This round by beating Santa Lucia out of also out of Guatemala and, and handily six to two. As far as the team's current form, they are two, three, and oh in their last five across all competitions. Bring forth the bonus matches. <laughs> and just what are these, pray tell? Well, each of these three is a match that we've selected using some different criteria that we use for all of the other matches in the show. In other words, they're not just uh, two teams from the top of a table or two clubs like our MLS match that are vying for a playoff spot late in the season. Things will become clearer as we go along, and they're kind of fun. And best of all, you've had to say in which matches have been selected. I throw the candidate matches out on Twitter. Uh, by the way, my handle is SoccerNoobUSA if you like to participate. You vote and magic content gets manifested. It is absolutely dreamy. Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And the matchup that you, Nubites, have selected comes from Cyprus. Their top flight is called the First Division. This is the 17th ranked league in Europe. They get one Champions League berth, uh, two Europa League berths out of the league, and then an ECL berth as well. Last year, other end of the spectrum, four of the 14 teams got relegated. They normally only have 12. I'm guessing this year they're reverting back to just doing two. It wasn't quite clear in my source, but that's the way most COVID-expanded clubs uh, went. In uh, the last couple of years, clubs have, uh, leagues have not been relegating teams, but they have been promoting teams from the second division. Now they're returning to their normal sizes. In any case, your matchup, number one, AEK Larnaca, is taking on number 12 in last place, Ethnikos Achnas. The series has been all Larnaca. 18-2-3 is their record in recent years, and we'll talk about the victors in waiting first. Larnaca is also the name of the city. It is the third largest in the country, about 150,000 people. It's on the south coast. If you Google up their crest, it's really cool. I like green and gold. And then the entire right-hand side of the crest is one solid color, and then superimposed on that is a, a very ancient, classical-looking uh, face. And that figure, his name is Kaimon, and he died victoriously in battle, defending Kaitian, which is modern-day Larnaca, from the Persians back in the mid-400s B.C. So a cool little bit of history that they pay homage to there. This is very much a rising power in the league. They've never won the title, but they do have four runner-up finishes, all within the 2010s, most recently 2018, 2019. 
And in that year, they also made the Europa League group stage. And that's tied for the best they've ever done. Last year, though, they didn't go nowhere quite. Last year, fifth place in the league. But this year, looking to rectify it. They're only seven or eight matches into the season. But right now, number one offense, scoring exactly two goals per match. And they're tied for the best on the defensive side of things as well. Number one league scorer is theirs. His name is Ivan Tchaikovsky. He is from North Macedonia. And his resume is a really interesting one, something of a journeyman. But he always picks or ends up somehow with clubs that are in leagues that are outside the top 10 in Europe, but are still within the top half of Europe. And the clubs he's with are always the historical greatest clubs. Like uh, he's played for Legia Warsaw over in Poland and Club Bruggy over in the Netherlands, amongst other places. So just kind of a cool way to go about your soccer life. As far as the team's form, they are undefeated on the year and they have won five straight matches. Now, Ethnikos Aknas or Achnas, I think it's a hard CH. Interesting little bit of history and politics with them. We won't delve too deeply into the latter, but the current village of Akna, it's only two or 3,000 big, is technically, with, technically within the borders or the area of the sovereign base areas of Octrotary and Dekelia, which I'm probably messing with the pronunciations of. But basically what this all means is these sovereign base areas that are adjacent to one another are technically speaking a British overseas territory. I'm not even sure you would call it a military base, more of a signal gathering place from what I read. But regardless, technically it doesn't belong to Cyrus in a manner, Cyprus in a manner of speaking. In any case, what makes it interesting, extra interesting is that the original village called Akna was abandoned in 1974. Everybody left because uh, the people who came into power in that part of the country that are calling that part of the country Northern Cyprus, I don't think it's a UN recognized or anything, but still a pretty big deal. Uh, the people that lived in the village abandoned it. They moved a few hundred yards into the woods and they started to build up a new village over the years. This is also interestingly the only club that has won any kind of uh, UEFA international competition. I don't know too much about the particulars of it, but I've heard of it before. They won something called the Intertoto Cup back in 2006. Now, this said they haven't made any international appearances since 2008, and they've never made an appearance in sort of the modern system with the Champions League and the Europa League. Domestically, last year they finished in ninth place. This year, number nine offense in the league. Not great, but the problem is really the defense. Worse by a lot. They give up over two goals per match. So bad, in fact, that they have the worst goal differential in the league by a factor of three. They're going to need to get some help for their leading score if they're going to overcome that defense. Uh, that guy that needs the help is Zdenek Volprecht out of Czechoslovakia. He's a midfielder. Team's current form, they are 0-1-2 in their last three, but that one, that draw, was one they just earned at home over number four, AEL Limassol. So a little bit of help for probably the roadkill in waiting. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Indeed, our second bonus match, undeservedly, quite frankly, gets its own theme song or a ripped off theme song from Prince. You think anybody's ever going to bust that on that, the estate of Prince? Nope. Yeah, here's to hoping not. Don't pay any attention to us, Apple. Anyway, the most meaningless match of the world involves two teams that are smack dab more or less in the middle of their tables, perfectly equidistant from the glory of winning or even getting to an international tournament and finishing in last and getting relegated. What they're doing just don't matter. And the match that you have selected on Twitter 
comes to us from the United Arab Emirates Pro League, which is the number eight ranked league in the AFC. And the two teams that are facing off are Kor Fakan and Ajman. Kor Fakan, their most average player, since this is the most meaningless match in the world, is a singularly named guy from Brazil named, I don't know if you pronounce this, Cake or Kaike. Probably Kaike, but cake would be more fun, wouldn't it, person new? Yep. What's your favorite kind of cake? Strawberry. What's your favorite kind of Kaike? I don't know. That's a fair answer. He's a Brazilian, he's a striker, and just 21 years old. So we'll have lots of time to think about whether or not he's our favorite Kaike in the future. Uh, on the season, just two goals in his six appearances. Uh, spent two years with Bahia, which is a pretty meaningless, uh, not that great team in Brazil, to be perfectly honest. And uh, quite frankly, he's a terrible passer. That's the biggest thing he's got to improve if he wants to be more meaningful. Ajman, their most average player is Ali Al-Hosani. He is their goalkeeper, 30 year, 33 years old. He spent his whole career with a much better team in the same league called Alwada, but they started loaning him out here until uh, starting in 2017. I think they could sense, Persanub, that all the meaningfulness that it was a part of his of his existence and was in his soul was getting squeezed out and now it's gone. That's kind of a sad state of affairs, isn't it? Yep. Very sad. Yep. And you know what? That's all I have to say about this. Can we have a moment of silence for this poor man? (laughs) That works great for an audio podcast. So that's all I've got to say about these two teams. Really? That's all? What about the other stuff you usually mention? Oh, the offensive defensive stats and where they are on the table and all that. Why would I ascribe that sort of meaning to the most meaningless match in the world? Because we're talking rock in America. You talk and talk and talk and talk and talk nonstop. You don't even breathe when talking about soccer. Yet you can't, you can't take up the energy and breath to say this. It's meaningless. And at last, we have come to the true end of our podcast road. And as always, we will not be finishing with a bonus match that is a mini preview celebrating two good teams of any kind. But rather, we will point and scoff at two really lousy ones, sad sack bottom feeders at the bottom of whatever league they are in. This is the match of... Disappointed! And before we get into the match, first, I want to take a moment to thank everybody who voted on Twitter for these bonus matches, especially our brand new podcast friends at Field Talk Pod. Great show. They voted for a match from France's League One, and it tied for getting the most votes. That league just recently fell out of being one of Europe's top five, and it seems like it's getting worse by the day, seemingly. They lost their big TV deal last year. It's just really going down the toilet. I enjoyed tweeting with you guys about the league. Good times. Second, I would like to address the management, the guy who does our editing and production. He rarely gives much input when it comes to the shows that we choose uh, versus just telling me about show execution stuff. But he really wanted us to preview Dallas because they're hosting Austin And he's really interested to see if Austin can climb out of the cellar. All three teams in Texas in the Western Conference has been in the worst of the league. And I sort of implied to each of these people that we would do the match they wanted. But you know what, Persanoob? To all of them, we say... Ha, suckers! Suckers! 
What could be more disappointing than selecting us selecting some other match than what either of you wanted? That's how we roll with the match of disappointed. It was a tie between a bunch of them, and we decided to go with another one just so everybody walks away mad. Sunday, Bulgaria's first professional league. It's the 24th-ranked UEFA league, just above average in the overall coefficients for the associate or the federation. Uh, the top four teams uh, for this league will all be going to European competitions, and these losers ain't going to get a sniff. Other end of the spectrum, two of the teams in the league are going to get relegated automatically. One could get relegated if they lose a relegation playoff match with some uh, pretty decent second division team that is trying to usurp them. The matchup is number 14, Pirin Blagoevgrad versus number 13, Sarsko Selo Sofia. 2015. Personoob, it occurs to me that maybe that team would play less stinky soccer if they spent less time putting more and more words and numbers into their darn name. No excuses. No excuses. <laughs> Sarsko lead Pirin by one and uh, in the table, and then uh, they trail three other clubs by two. It's early in the season, but to that we once again say... No excuses. No excuses. Just because it's early doesn't mean you can't not stink. Let's talk about Pirin first. Uh, first of all, their name is the, Egg the Eaglets. Not even adult eagles? Little tiny eagles? Kind of a sad, disappointing nickname, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And get a load of this. You'll like this. Their hedge coach's name is Warren Feeney. Ha-ha, that one's Feeney. Not sure how I feel about that particular bit, but it is sort of a appropriate-sounding name for a team that's really, really disappointing. Is that a word? Disappointing? No. I can't just keep on adding suffixes and more suffixes? No. Well, that's very disappointing. Now, this team, uh, they've been even worse in the past before. In fact, as recently as 2012-13, they were all the way down in the third division, and the only other year besides this year that they've been in the top division was 2017-18, which meant they got sent right the heck back down. Last year, they won the second division in the country, and so they have been promoted, unfortunately for all of us, once again. This year, their record moderately early on is 2-2-8. The offense actually isn't completely crappy. It's tied for number five in the league, but they've got the worst defense in the league, giving up two goals per match, and uh, they've got the worst goal differential as well. We're not even going to talk about good players on this team like we have all the, all the other matches. The worst offensive player on this team is Anton Karaknikov. He plays both right wing and some left wingers, so in a way he's got twice as many chances to score Guess how many goals he has scored on the entire season so far, person noob? I don't know. One. Guess how many assists he'd had? None. None, that's right. That was a very good guess. You stink. <laughs> well, person noob said it best. You stink, Mr. Karaknikov. Uh, he played, get a load of this, P noob. He played for the other team that's in this match, Sarsko, in the 2019-2020 season. So he was on the second worst team. And they told him, you stink. And they kicked him out, and he got picked up by the only team that was even worse. What do you think of that? Oof, bro. Oof, bro. Wow, that's harsh. <laughs> anyway, the team's current form, they have lost three straight matches across all competitions and only scored one goal. Now we will talk about Sarsko. They are 2-3-7 and seven on the year, have the worst offense by four. They only score one goal every other match of well below average defense and tied for the worst goal differential in the league. 
Their worst offensive player is Demo Bakalov. He's a left winger, 32 years old. He's only got one goal on the season, no assists, and he's earned two yellow cards. Dude's getting more penalties than he is goals or assists. They'd be better off just playing 10 people instead of 11, wouldn't they? Yup. Yup. <laughs> Great commentary and analysis, person noob. That's why you're the star of the show. Can I get a kiss? Mwah! Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> the team's current form. Uh, they just beat the number nine club uh, two to nothing. So that's pretty cool. La-di-da. But before that, they had lost six straight matches and only scored one goal over those six. Now, we would wish these teams good luck, but what good would it do, Person Noob? After all, they are merely worthy of our scorn, and we will send them off in fitting fashion. Boo! You're awful. Disappoint your family. Oh, P Noob's bringing the family into it. Yikes. You disappoint your friends. You disappoint the people you see. You disappoint the world. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. Yep. That's how we end things. This has been episode 55 of Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring Person Noob. We hope you've enjoyed the local, regional, and world soccer previews. And the off-brand humor. Yes, we admit it. (laughs) And we'd also like to thank the usual people for everything they do. The management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, my former website's Interno Inferno for everything that he participates in on the show. To my lovely co-host and dearest daughter, Persanoob. I love doing this with you every week. Thank you so much. And to you, listeners, we really hope that you've enjoyed it. We've endeavored to put something together That's really unique, to say the very least. So, until we do it again in a few days, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.